Father, you're in control and we're so grateful for that. This is not the word of man we pray, but the word of God coming through a woman. And Father, I surrender this to you now. I say, have your way, do what you will. We have limited time this morning, but I know you will take this word and you will use it the way you want to use it. Touch each of our hearts. Cause us to be truthful and listening and examining ourselves and enable us, Lord, to be released from the things that bind us up, that we would have a boldness and a confidence to step out and do something in accordance with what you would have us do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So I've got a slide that I'm putting up um, and it's Charles Spurgeon. It's a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He's saying, brethren, do something do something, do something. While societies and unions make contrib- contributions, let us win souls. I pray you be men of action, all of you. Get to work and quit yourselves like men. Too often we discuss and discuss and discuss and Satan laughs in his sleeve. Our one aim is to win souls and this We are not to talk about, but we are to do in the power of God. Amen? All right. And I I happened to see this in my devotional about a month ago, and the Lord says, we need to do something. We need to do something. What are you doing? What are other people doing? What are we doing about doing something? And I just felt, yeah, this is a word that I really want to preach, and I I need to do something about it. And I think just a fortnight ago, wasn't it, Pastor Paul, you contacted me and asked me if I would do something, all right, (laughs) and come up here and preach. And I said, yes, I've got the word, do something. Thing. Um, but And so today I want to look at how do we do something. Now the question I want to raise is why don't we do something? Why don't we do something? Why don't we witness for God all day, every day, every place, wherever we are? Why don't we? Why don't we make the most of every opportunity that he provides for us, puts across our paths to be a witness? Why don't we do random acts of kindness um, for needy people, people we know and people we don't know, that they might meet Christ through our actions, through our good deeds, through our random acts of kindness? Why don't we do this? Over the years, I've often wondered why, on some occasions, I see and respond positively to the opportunities that God provides for me to be a witness. And yet, at other times, I seem to dig my heels in and resolutely refuse to get involved. I won't budge, I won't open my mouth and speak. I refuse to help a person in need. Why wouldn't I do something? And as I've thought about this, you know, for many years I've been pondering this, I think it's because we, I, I, because I adopt a grasshopper mentality. The grasshopper mentality like that described in the Bible story of the 12 spies in the book of Numbers and chapters 13 and 14. In chapter 13 of the Old Testament book of Numbers, at God's direction, Moses chooses 12 tribal leaders, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and he sends them into the promised land, the place that God has promised to his people. Sends them into the promised land of Canaan to explore it and to report back to the tribe and to the leadership, both about the people and the land. When they return, I might add, carrying a single bunch of grapes that was so huge, two men had to carry it between them on a pole... 
Ten men spread a bad report about the land and the people living in it. It devours those living in it, they said. We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are and of a great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. I can think and behave like the ten fearful spies, jumping to conclusions prematurely instead of hearing from God and then believing him and doing what he's telling me to do. Like the fear-filled spies, I can start seeing, no, the correct word is imagining, I can start imagining giants are confronting me and I respond like a grasshopper. I try to get out of the way. I move into avoidance and self-protection mode and rather than trusting God and um, being astounded by the amazing opportunities that he places before me, I choose to back off. In these times, you know, I'm defeated before I even get started, before I even consider the options or how I might go about it. I'm defeated because I already believe that the situations or the people confronting me belong to the enemy camp. They're greater than I am. Um, I'm going to lose. I'm not going to win this. I'll make a fool of myself. You know, already defeated as soon as the idea or the opportunity arises. Many, many years ago, an unchurched neighbour invited Tim and me to his wife's 60th birthday party. Tim really wanted to go, but it was one of those times when I dug in my heels and I refused to. I refused because I thought that I wouldn't know anyone there, which was true. I believed that, what would I say? What would I do? How would I mix with these people? I'd feel uncomfortable is really what I was saying. Um, my excuse was to Tim, we'll be outsiders, we're different from them, we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't tell rough stories. And so we didn't go, much to Tim's exasperation. Over the years, as we got to know them better and became good friends with them, I discovered that they were a really lovely couple. They were trying to make, trying very hard to make ends meet at being pensioners, ageing, and not very well. I believe that the Holy Spirit keeps reminding me, and I might tell you, it reminds me often, reminding me of this blatantly rejected, God-given opportunity to bless people who really needed to meet Jesus Christ. And I think that it was a lesson that he taught me that he keeps on teaching me, he keeps bringing back to me. And sorry to say this to you, but my prayer to you, for you today is that God would give you a similar experience. <laughs> Because until we get a revelation of how passionate God is about this, until we, um, God shows us from his perspective what we look like and what we're doing, often we're not motivated to just get up and do something. And we need that personal revelation. Um, I, I can forget or refuse to recall, this is probably more accurate, that the Holy Spirit who dwells in me is greater than any enemy, spiritual or otherwise, out there in the world. Now, I know that. I quote it. I pray it for other people. I, when I do pastoral care, I preach it to them, and I expect them to put it into place. But there are those times when I just refuse or fail to recall it. Um, that we've got a Holy Spirit, we've got a God in us who if he tells us to do something, he'll equip us, he'll make a way, he will provide the means, we will have everything we need. 
Amen. He'll enable me and he'll do all that's required to enable me to be his witness and an effective witness. That I have nothing to fear because he's always with me. He never leaves me or forsake me. So we go on. Amen. All right. Um, to this day, you know, I deeply regret that missed opportunity with those neighbours who became friends uh, uh, more than 15, probably 20 years ago. Do you know that when we left Australia permanently to come to New Zealand nine years ago, they were the ones who actually took us and shifted us into a motel so we were by the airport so we could fly out. We, our last meal in Australia when we left was with them. But I missed that opportunity. Never had the pleasure of introducing them to Jesus Christ. It's not my job whether they get saved or not, but it is my job that they know about Jesus Christ and that they have that opportunity. Amen? Instead of a grasshopper mentality, we need to practice to do to ha practice having a do something mentality, like the other two spies who went into Canaan. In chapter 14 of Numbers, we read of the report of the other two spies who also entered and checked out the promised land. Although they had been to and seen exactly the same things as the other ten men, upon returning to the camp of the Israelites, Caleb and Joshua declared. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Their protection, the occupants of the land, the giants, and they were giants, all right, in this land, their protection is gone if the God ordains that. But God is with us, so don't be afraid of them. Ten spies were uh, fearful and untrusting of God. They adopted a grasshopper mentality. They chose to do nothing. And ultimately, they never entered into the promised land, dying before the Israelites crossed over into Canaan. Now, there's a lesson there for us, all right? They didn't get everything that the word promises, everything that God has for us individually. They missed out. Two spies, however, according to Numbers 14, 24, had a different spirit within them and they followed God wholeheartedly. They believed God and his promises to his people. They chose to do something and as a result, they ultimately got to enter into the promised land and to settle there. During their journey into Canaan, the, God, the, the Lord guided and directed the Israelites. He conquered their enemies before them. He caused them to settle in the land, to prosper and be successful, and to find favor with the people who remained there. And this is all because Caleb and Joshua trusted God, obeyed his command, and decided to do something. They decided to take a stand against the report of the ten other spies. They decided to go when God told them to go. And because they said that, declared that, went, so went all the rest of the Israelites. All right? They did something. Caleb and Joshua had a do-something mentality, not a grasshopper mentality like their fellow spies. Grasshopper mentality comes out of a self-centeredness, a preservation of oneself, a protection of oneself. It's being concerned about oneself. It's fearful that anything that I don't understand or I cannot control is a problem. 
this um, grasshopper mentality is difficult, has difficulty holding on to truth. But sometimes I think it's because we don't possess the truth in the first place. It might be in here, but it's not in here. It's not something we're walking in. Um, it's re reluctant to trust and obey. Grasshopper mentality avoids confrontation. It, fail, um, it fears shame, failure, embarrassment, rejection. I think that's why. We hop into this grasshopper mentality. But the person who, with a uh, some, do something mentality knows and holds on to truth. The person with a do something mentality knows that they've been delivered out of the world's darkness. They know that they've become children of God. They know they belong to the family of God. They know that they're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. They know that in Christ Jesus, the enemy is beneath their feet. They know that they are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. They know that they are overcomers through Christ Jesus. Amen? They, they know that um, filled with the light and the life of Jesus Christ, they can impact others for Christ and they can make a significant difference in the lives of others because of Christ dwelling in them. Light of Christ, the life of Christ in them, the power of Christ, the authority of Christ inside them. They know this. Those are people with do-something mentalities. They are not afraid. Because they know that what God says, God will surely follow up on. God will do what God promises to do. God's promises are yes and amen. All right? And we need to have this will do, do something mentality, not a grasshopper mentality. And to start with, it's hard for us to get out of this grasshopper mentality. But it starts with having an awareness of why we feel like that. And then working out strategies to help us to see the red light. When the red light comes on and I think, no, I don't want to do that, we need to stop and say, where did that come from? Did the idea come from God or not? Yes or no? If you conclude, yes, God placed this person there, put me in that situation, gave me that idea, if we conclude that, then it's all about God. It's got nothing to do with me. And then we can step in to the do-something mentality and start reminding ourselves of who God is, who we are in Christ, what God and I together can do. Amen? Amen. All right, you see, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We know in John 1.1 that um, Jesus is God. In the beginning was God. He was with God. He was with God in the beginning. He was the Word. And then later on in that chapter it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Jesus Christ. He is God. He's the source of our life and our light. There's no darkness in Jesus Christ, only light. Without Jesus, this world is a very dark place. Probably all of us have been there. Lost ways, endless detours, ugly distractions, bad habits... Loneliness, abandonment, abuses, addictions, anxiety, fear, depression, you know, struggling relationships, helplessness, hopelessness, the list is, goes on and on. These are just a few of the um, dark experiences and dark places that people live in when they live without Jesus Christ. Um, we're bound to stumble and fall when we're not walking in this light. We can easily go in the wrong direction because we haven't got the light to show us clearly the path that we should be on. We were made by the light to live in his life. We're not meant to live in crushing, 
cruel depths of cold, empty darkness. We're made for the light. My question today is, are you in the light? Do you know the light? You know, today you can step out of the darkness that you're in and you can step into the light of Christ. You don't have to live your life dominated and overcome by darkness. Today you can choose to do something right here in this place. You can take a step of faith and you can make a decision that you're going to step into the light of Jesus Christ in this place today. Amen? All right, you can leave the darkness behind and step in. And in a few minutes, I'm going to offer you that opportunity. If that's you and you're saying, I've got to shake off this darkness, then you'll have an opportunity to come and we'll pray for you and you will see the darkness lift. You will feel the darkness lift. And then God and you together, Jesus Christ and you together, filled with his spirit and building his word, you will walk in to the light in all its fullness and you'll see the darkness gradually disappear. Jesus has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. When we follow Jesus, we find we have a sure guide because he alone knows what your GPS coordinates are. He alone knows your journey, your life journey. Only he knows that. He knows it best, even more than you do. And so who would you want on your side than the creator of you, the person who designed you and caused you to be, brought you into being, ordained you, right? Who would you rather have on your side, him or you, to guide you in the right way, in the healthy way, in the victorious way, into the light? Jesus Christ. He is the light. How wonderful to know that in a world full of darkness, we can have the light of Christ, Jesus Christ living in us. He's the light of the world. All right, I'm condensing this down a bit because I realise we're a bit short on time today. So, okay, so the next issue is becoming lights of the world. What does this mean? If Jesus Christ has said, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life, What does it mean for us when we become lights of the world? Jesus says of us in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. He's our light. He fills us with his light. His light in us shines forth. But we are charged to be the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. I'm on a stand. I'm the light of Christ right now. Amen? I can feel the presence of God in this place. And so we put the light on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In other words, they will recognise that what's coming out of you and the things you're saying and the things you're doing aren't like everyone else. In the darkness. There's something exceptional, something extraordinary, something different, something peaceful, something loving, something kind, something glorious that's emanating from you as you take the light of Christ inside you out into the world. And when people see that, how many of you have had people say to you, what is it about you? There's something different about you. What makes you so different? First, number one, best opportunity. I am full of the light. I have the light of Christ living in me, and that's what makes me stand out and catch your eye. That's what you're experiencing. Now, of course, we need to make sure we're walking as children of the light because some of the things we say and do 
aren't always expressions of children of light. That's because we're flesh. But we have a spirit in us who's greater than that, who has overcome our flesh. And so in those moments of transgression, we stop and we say, God, take this away from me. Release your light back in me. And we ask him to protect the people who have um, been violated by our lack of light. And we just say, God, help them not to keep that in their mind. Let that disappear from them. Because we don't want anything we do in those moments when we're not quite as full of the light or walking in the light as we should to contaminate what God wants to do in this world. And so if we ask him to cover it over, he will. And the people won't remember it. All they'll start feeling and seeing is the light of Christ. Amen? Um. Darkness and light don't mix. We can't um, have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. It's, we can only bring the pure light of Christ into the world if we are walking in that light and if that's the light within us. We've already heard something about that earlier this morning. If we delve into worldly dark things, we will experience the effects of that darkness. But when we focus our eyes on Jesus and we fill our minds with the word of God and we stand up and walk in the authority of Christ that dwells in us and we allow the Holy Spirit of God to be our our voice, to be our hands, to be our feet, to say and do through us, uh, when we're filled with this light, we will shine the light to everyone that we encounter. That will, it's inevitable. That will happen. And everything we say, everything we do, every place we occupy, wherever we are, that light will come forth. His light glowing out of us like a light bulb can cause the darkness to disappear. Mourning can turn into joy. Despair turns into hope. Helplessness turns into hopefulness. Um, uh, Uselessness turns into fruitfulness. Loneliness turns into relationship. Amen? Amen? We have that light bulb encounter with people and that light just releases them it breaks the chains that bind them up because we're carrying the light of Christ as we abide in his words we not only walk in light but we become the light we're the vessel aren't we that transmits his life today the challenge is for us as people of the light is whether or not we will become a light to others who are walking in darkness will you do something to be this light in the darkness? Will we take up the Lord's expectation that we will abide in his teaching, live as children of light, follow his example, so that when we do something, people will see the light that is Christ? Will we choose to reflect the light of Christ in our own lives in order to reveal Christ to people in darkness, just as he has commissioned us to do, just as he's commanded us to do? What will you and I do about this? What is the something you can do? Being lights of the world. You know, one of my favourite verses is, I live and move and have my being in Christ Jesus from um, Acts. When I remember that I live and being and move in Christ Jesus, everything of me is Christ Jesus, all about me. I feel this overwhelming obligation to make sure that I do nothing to violate the reputation of Jesus Christ. 
It's almost like I have this duty to make sure that whatever I say, whatever I do, wherever I go, even how I drive my car, etc., etc., everything about me needs to bring honour to Christ, not to bring a disrepute upon them. Amen? And so maybe today we need a revelation of that. You know, maybe that's what your need is today, to just get that revelation. Or maybe it's to have a revelation of, um, you know, in Proverbs it talks about um, how glorious it is to win souls. How glorious it is to win souls. Above all things, how glorious. You know, we've had John 3.16 preached to us, read to us, talked to us today. You know, reflect on that great love that died for you and me and realise the gift that you have within you, this gift, this light. Start looking at yourselves and each other and saying, you're a glorious light today. I can feel the glow, the heat of your light. I can see the glow in your face. I can see the glow in the way you glide around, walking, dancing, full of joy. I can see it in your quiet peace. Are you getting what I'm talking about here? All right. Now... I'm here, I was going to, I'll to finish with a story because I have been abbreviating this, but I'll finish with a story. On last Sunday, I went to our combined churches prayer meeting in Whangarei. The whole meeting was committed to the J. John evangelistic outreach that we have organised in Whangarei, in Whangarei, Whangarei, on Easter Saturday next year. All right. Miracle above all miracle is J. John is coming to Whangarei to do a one-off session there on the Saturday night. Um, when somebody, one of the ministers in our town, sent him an email saying, we've, just, we've done the Just Ten series. We know who you are in this town. Why don't you come here? J. John wrote back and said, no, we never do that. When we go overseas, we don't do that. We go and do our commitments. We rest. We come home. All right, but I'll pray about it. A week later, J. John sent an email back and said, God has told me to come. So that's miracle number one. Miracle number two, the band of Stan Walker says, we will come and play for you for free. Miracle number three is Stan Walker has agreed to come and do some songs. All right. Do you think that God's got a plan? All right, so we're at this meeting. We hear all about this. We're to pray about it. We, we spend the entire time praying and talking. We have these little snappers, cardboard snappers that we're given. And on the cardboard snappers, we're to write down the names of the people we're committing to pray for between now and next Easter. Then we're asked to go to the altar, to kneel down, to dedicate these people to the Lord and to place the fish in the net, the fishing net that they have all stretched. So we all duly do that. Now, on that list, I have one of Tim's carers, Mara, on that list, her husband, her, ch- her family, all right, her, f- her children. My plan is that we're going to pray. I tell Tim he has her too on his list. We, we're going to pray for Mara, and then we're going to start speaking to her about this, all right? Maybe January would be a good time to start talking. The next day, she's there. She picks up David Peter's book, on hope that I was using because I'm writing a seminar on suicide at the moment. And she picks up this book and says, I've just read half of this. What an amazing book. I said, well, read the other half today while you're here. You know. And by the way, Mara, now I did not intend to say this. It was not my plan, my plan, 
By the way, Mary, you need to know that next Easter we have this amazing thing with J. John and he's an evangelist and he's going, oh, I think I've heard about him. Is he the guy that runs your church who I see on Sunday mornings? Now, that's Pastor Tark, but close, all right? And, and so, and I said to her, then I went on and said, you need to know that we had to do this with these fish in this net, and I put your name on this list, and I'm believing for you and your whole family. I'm giving you advance notice now that you're going to come along to this, because I'm sitting there thinking, why am I saying this? This is not the plan. Why was I saying it? Holy Spirit, all right, God was doing it, all right. Now, I could have stopped as soon as I opened my mouth, but it's like, I'm in now, let's do something here. So I told her, and of course, as I do it, it gets bigger. I'm thinking, you know, you and John and your kids, what about their partners? In fact, your whole extended family. She said, yes, my whole extended family. Yes, we're coming, she says. I'm going to start telling them now. And I told her about the, the just 10 things. Get them for me. I'll send them all to them so they can watch them on their iPhones or whatever, all right? And so here's this amazing breakthrough that suddenly come, and I'm believing for it. I told her that it could be at Elam Centre. It's got 800, but it was probably going to be at ASB if, we, if everything fell. She said, ASB, I thought you were going to say this toll stadium. Don't you know everyone's going to want to come, she said. All right, just got to be lights. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for the word that you've deposited in us today. Help us to see ways that we can just reach out to our neighbours, our friends. Not reach out, just carry the light. All we've got to do is carry the light. Your light in us shining out. Break the fear. Break the fear. Break the fear. In Jesus' name, I come against the fear that our fleshly being imposes upon us. I break that now in the name of Jesus Christ. And instead, I ask, Lord God, that you fill us with a Holy Ghost boldness and confidence. Father, that we take the word of God and we consume it like a medicine three times a day to build ourselves up, that we would have complete and total confidence, Lord, in you, that it's all of you and nothing of us, that we must decrease so you can increase, Lord. Your light in us shining forth into this world. Give us eyes to see the opportunities. Give us a heart to take hold of it. Give us ears to hear. Father, put a passion, a fire, an eagerness, an earnestness in our bellies, Lord God, that fire that we've been hearing about today, seeing, Lord God, Father, that we would just be bold, amazing, beautiful, glorious lights that would cause everyone to see you, to turn their eyes upon Jesus and to know that you are life and you are light. You are saviour, you are God of the whole world, the whole universe. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my God. Worship team, shall we have the worship team come up? All right, if the worship team would like to come up. Um, I, I just want to extend an invitation to anyone in this place who has not met Jesus Christ. Or maybe you have, but you have walked, fallen back, and you're in a place of darkness. You know, our God is a God of love and he cries when he sees where you're at and what's happening to you. He loves you so much. As we stand up and sing this song, if you would like me or somebody else on our ministry team to pray for you, then I'm asking you to come forward. I know it's a hard thing to do, but come forward and we'll pray for you to receive Jesus Christ. Your capacity to be filled with that light 
of Christ and to come out of that darkness is just one prayer away. People, if you're beside somebody you know who doesn't necessarily come to church or you don't know who they are, why don't you ask them? Let's stand up and sing.